it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State Athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I am in conversation with one of the most successful preseason prognosticators in all of college football, Brett Ciancia. Brett is the publisher of the Pick 6 Previews preseason magazine, which is available now at pick6previews.com. Uh, you have also seen him probably all over Twitter at Pick6Previews. Brett has been joining us now for, this is the fourth year, as we discover in our conversation here, and he has always been great about providing excellent insight into not only Ohio State, the Big Ten, and college football at large. I won't get into where his predictions are for the Buckeyes just yet. We will talk about that in the conversation, but he has been one of the most accurate predictors of anybody across the entire college football landscape now for going on 11 seasons. This is the 11th season of the Pick 6 Previews magazine. So anytime we can get his insight is incredibly valuable. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brett Ciancia. All right, Britt, thank you again for joining us now for what I think is probably the third or fourth year, and uh, we always enjoy having you on here, but I want to start first with the biggest question. Let's just get this out of the way. Let's go with the the playoff bracket that you have in the magazine this year, and let's start with the with the big predictions from this year's book. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Matt. You're right, it is four years running now, four preseasons, and um 
It all started back in 2019 when I was on talking why Ohio State was the team to pick all the other <laughs> magazines at, at Michigan. And uh, I was going against the grain. It, it proved correct to there going an uh, yeah. in, in incredible season. So, um, yeah, let's see if I hit again this year because I do have Ohio State in the playoff. I have them returning to the bracket after a one-year hiatus there. Um, so my, my final four is Alabama, number one, Ohio State, two, Georgia, three. I think those three teams have really established themselves as the superpowers, the recruiting, you know, powerhouses. And um, I don't see any reason to, to, to keep any of them out. We'll get more into Ohio State specifically, but that's a clear cut top three for me. That fourth spot was wide open. And um, I just looked at the other three leagues, the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. Which one of these is going to produce a one loss champ? What's the most likely one loss champ out of these leagues? And I ultimately sided with Utah. Um, I canceled out Clemson and NC State and Miami. I think there's above average teams over there, but no, nothing playoff caliber. Uh, Big 12 is even more wide open. So uh, Utah, I mean, hey, the Buckeye fans got to see them live. They were going mm-hmm. punch for punch at the Rose Bowl. And I know that there were some NFLers out for Ohio State, but I think even in the loss, I think Utah gained a lot of national respect and some confidence going forward. So um, it's, it's equal parts Utah being strong, but also the Pac-12 around them being down and being weak. So I think they go 12-1 and one and get back into the – or not back in, but first time in the playoff bracket for them. And correct me if I'm wrong, it, was it either last year or the year before you'd had Utah in your predicted uh, playoff bracket as well, and they got really close down to the end of the season. Was that last year or was that in 2020? Yeah, this was 2019 actually. Oh, 2019. It was um, okay. Yeah, so they were coming into the season. I think the AP rank for them was 15th or 14th. So for me to put them four, uh, you know, that, that was a pretty big risk, a pretty big, um, you know, testament to what they built over there. Uh, you know, went against the green big time there. And, uh, of course, took some heat for it, as you expect. as part of the game. But, but then, I mean, little, you know, week to week they were winning and winning. It came down to the last uh, conference title game, the last night of the season. They were number five playing against Oregon. And um, there was a, a matchup ahead of them. So it was a win and in scenario. If Utah won, they'd be in. Of course, that year, Kayvon Thibodeau got them um, and Oregon uh, upset or- uh, Utah in the title game. So it was close. It was a good run in 2019. This time, I don't see any other threat from the, within, the, within the conference. I mean, they smashed Oregon twice last year. And, uh, and Oregon themselves are going through a transition year. USC, I know they're the media darlings right now. They're the Vegas odds on favorite to win the Pac-12. I don't buy it. I know they have great quarterback and receiver play. They've always had that. It's a matter of can they block and tackle. I don't think they're there yet. So um, I'm, I'm taking Utah. And what's interesting about the top two teams in the bracket, Alabama and Ohio State, these two teams are, as you kind of lay out in, in the magazine, these are NFL factories, teams that often have double-digit folks heading into the league every year. But – you know, kind of coincidentally, neither Alabama or Ohio State necessarily had the bulk number of players heading to the league last year. So at least from Ohio State's perspective, they're returning a considerable amount of production, especially on defense. And while that's great for Alabama because they played for a national championship, Ohio State, again on defense, kind of struggled. So how much of that returning production is necessarily a a good thing because they were so bad last year and how much of it is like, ah, well, maybe there need to be some changes with this new defensive staff. So how do you factor in that personnel coming back with experience versus it not necessarily being the best experience you would want for a playoff caliber team? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, a couple of parts to it. You're right that these, uh, you know, powerhouse recruiting programs, the Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia crew, 
they're always pumping out 10 plus NFLers every year. And you see it on April, you know, on April's draft day, it's player after player after player. And you start thinking, wow, how are they going to reload all these draft picks? Um, first with Alabama. Yeah. They, they and I'll say it in quotes, they only lose seven guys. They return the Heisman winner, Bryce Young. They return uh, the best defender in the country, Will Anderson. There's five stars everywhere. They have revenge on their minds, too, after losing to A&M uh, on the field and on the recruiting trail. So they're, they're angry. They're ready to roll. Same with Ohio State. You know, it, it wasn't too many draft picks. Um, that number really stood out to me, the returning production number on defense. Top 10 number for Ohio mm-hmm. State. You never see that by these uh, five-star recruiters because – their guys leave after three years or four years. So very rare to see that, uh, to see a top 10 number there. And uh, I put this in the book too. I, I broke down other games as I do, uh, game grader overall, but then also the defensive grader too. And Ohio State, they played really solid defense against lesser opponents, and you know, sure. e- even, even above what they averaged. So um, within the context of them being weaker opponents, it's really they got out physical twice. It was really the Oregon and the Michigan games where they couldn't stop the power run. And they got behind, and, and then the offense couldn't convert in the red zone. But that's a separate topic. It was really the defense. So long story short, a long answer there. But uh, the returning production number is awesome. Uh, that was young guys. That was young five stars, four stars last year. They're all back. And I think he made the correct defensive coordinator change. I think a change was necessary. And, um, you know, you go out and you find a guy, Jim Knowles, who turned Oklahoma State into a, a top defense. Who would have thought that five or ten years ago? The team that was always in shootouts and – wild big 12 games, putting up 50 points, but losing 60 to 50, stuff like that. He turns them into a number three overall defense. So imagine what he's going to do now with a locker room filled with five stars. And, um, you know, so I'm excited to see this defense. They're going to take a major step forward statistically. And I think when it counts too, uh, they'll be tested physically against Notre Dame and against Michigan again. I think they get them this time. So, um, yeah, it's a rare statistical anomaly to see that much returning production. And they're going to maximize, not even the touch on the offense, which has its fair share, too. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the game grader. And so I wonder, when you make these predictions, either for the conference or for the playoff, is that just a statistical look at the model? Or I know you talk to a ton of coaches throughout the offseason. Is that a little bit of column A and column B for you making your predictions? Or do you have a hard and fast, I go by what the game grader says? How do you make your predictions? How do you arrive at your final picks? That's a great question, too. And it's like, um, you know, I see a lot of the analytics guys out there and and they do good work, too. But I think they're too um, black and white, like it's a formula. But I mean, when you watch football, it's not exactly a formula. You know, that that ball goes in crazy directions and you have inclement weather, you have scheduling quirks. It's wild. So, no, it's it's not just a formula, although I do input that in. Um, I'll put it this way. Once I figured out that there was a company tracking the magazine's accuracy and predictions, Uh uh, Stassen.com. I'm a very competitive guy. I knew I had to go win that. So I'm going after every data point I can use. And it's partly the analytics. Yes, it's important to have some numbers there. It's a little bit of recruiting rankings. It's transfer rankings now. That's a new deal. Uh, It's talking to head coaches, talking to coordinators and position coaches. Uh, This year, I talked to Brian Hartline, the the nation's best receiver coach. Good, Um, Good one to talk to. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's talking to coaches, really trying to understand what they're trying to run X's and O's wise. How does the personnel fit? How's that looking? Talking to beat writers, too, because they're watching practice every day. I I can't be everywhere at once, but these guys are at each school. So um, I try and ignore a lot of the national guys. It might sound counterintuitive, but I want to go right to the source. So um, beat writers, experts like your podcast, um, coaches themselves. And then uh, lastly, yeah, watching the games. I mean, you got to watch the football games. I know a lot of people don't that cover the sport, but 
Um, on, on fall Saturdays, I have all four screens up for 14 hours, watching as much as I can, and then watching condensed games on Sundays, watching spring games in the spring. So um, it's everything. It's a, a long way to answer. It's everything. It's the numbers. It's what you watch on the games, talking to people, uh, the player personnel of it, the X's and O's. So anyway, every single one of those categories is pointing up for Ohio State. And um, I think they, they get back to where they belong in the playoff. And obviously, by having them in the playoff, like you said, you are anticipating them winning the Big Ten. And the biggest issue for them, as you mentioned, were was twofold, actually. One, they couldn't convert on short yardage and offense, whether that was in the red zone or on a third and one. The offensive line, as good as they were in pass protection last year, which was pretty good, they couldn't get those hard yards in the trenches. And oftentimes the same thing was true on the defensive side of the ball. While their defense was not great overall, it really showed when they were played power running teams and especially the the upper echelon of talented power running teams like Oklahoma or like uh, Oregon and Michigan last year. Whether that is with new guys coming in or whether that is with Jim Knowles kind of reconfiguring the defense and making it in his own image and likeness to be aggressive and, and, and much more blitz focused. How do you see those big issues for the Buckeyes on both sides of the balls changing this year, if at all, or is it just something that other areas will improve enough to mask some of those deficiencies that they had in 2021? Yeah, well, I think nowadays in our instant gratification world and, uh, and the way that quarterbacks and freshman quarterbacks are hopping in so seamlessly, we tend to forget. I mean, C.J. Stroud was a, a first-time starter against Minnesota and then mm-hmm. a second-time starter against Oregon. So very, very young in his career. Um, and still Ohio State outgained Oregon by 100 yards. They were right there. It was, it was touchdown for touchdown. It was just uh, they, they, they couldn't execute as well in the red zone. I mean, it was a couple empty trips down there. It's such a small thing to pinpoint, but I'll say this. If they played that, if they played Oregon 10 games into C.J. Stroud's career, I think that result flips. I think they execute yeah. more in the red zone and, and, and win it going away. So um, all that to say, this is now his second season as a starter. We took it for granted. Yeah, that was his first year, and he was a Heisman candidate. He was fourth overall in the Heisman, I believe, put up video game numbers. So look at him now after a full offseason, a full spring ball, and another fall camp. Uh, yeah, he's gonna be, it's going to be an unstoppable offense yet again. So – um, I think they clean up the red zone. In that case, you still have some All-American caliber linemen. I know there's a little bit of shuffling, but it's still a pipeline there. Um, there's aces all around them, running back with Travion Henderson. The receivers, I mean, normally when you lose two top 12 receivers or first-round receivers, you think that the offense will crater. But uh, the way that Coach Hartline recruits over there, it's just a revolving door of five stars. Um, it's just a matter of who's next up. And you saw that in the Rose Bowl when the two guys opted out. Um, Marvin Harrison stepping up at Buka, Julian Fleming's there. And then of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's a, he's a dark horse Heisman candidate, the numbers he's putting up. So, um, I think the offense, if, it, if it's even, even possible, they can improve, uh, in some of those key areas, the, the short yardage, the red zone enough to maybe make a difference in a tight game defensively. Yeah. That, that's going to be really what decides this season is as, has that front seven stiffened against the run. How quickly can Jim Knowles fix the, the issues in that regard? Um, because, like I said, they're going to get tested by two of the best offensive lines in the country. Notre Dame is projected as a top five line. And then Michigan is the defending Joe Moore Award winners. And we, we saw what that looked like uh, in November last year. And they're all back, four starters back. So, um, yeah, they'll be tested. But um, overall, I, I think Ohio State improves as a team. You have a second-year C.J. Stroud. And that, that, that goes without saying. I think it's, it'll make the difference. Looking around the rest of the Big Ten, obviously, let's start with Ohio State's rivals, who they lost to for the first time, 
honestly, that I care to remember uh, in 2021, despite the fact that they had a ton of momentum winning the Big Ten, going to the college football playoff, it seems like that momentum hasn't really carried over into the new season, whether that was into recruiting or into this uh, into this fall camp. They're still ranked in the top 10 in, in the AP and coaches polls, but it feels like a lot of the juice that you would have expected Jim Harbaugh's team to have coming off of, I mean, honestly, a banner year for him at his alma mater uh, has really dissipated. Is that just me living in my Ohio State bubble wearing scarlet and gray colored glasses, or did the bump that you would have expected uh, them to have coming off of last year, has it not carried over to this season as much as you would have anticipated? Yeah, it certainly felt like somewhat of a downer offseason when you, when you think about it. When you think of a team, a, a historic blue blood that had been down for a while, hasn't won a national title in a quarter century, uh, hadn't won the Big Ten outright since I think 2003, and hadn't beaten the rival in a decade, you, you would have thought that a playoff run like that would really spark things. Um, recruiting trail, but really it started with this offseason circus with Coach Harbaugh uh, mm-hmm. looking at NFL jobs and, and not, so, it, not so secretly either, very publicly. Um, and that's just a month after making a playoff run. So that was an odd look. Then you had the coordinators fleeing. You know, you had um, two, uh, two Broyles Award candidates on offense and defense. Josh Gaddis went to Miami, um, and Mike McDonald went back to the pros. So, you know, those were the two special parts, too, as the coordinators. And they're both gone. Uh, Harbaugh's looking at the NFL. That's an, that's an offseason drama. Even on an actual national signing day in February, he was interviewing at an NFL um, organization, literally love on signing day. So Love to see Yeah, it. so I just I, I thought that a, a breakout season like that would have looked a little bit different in the offseason. But I'll say this, though. Um, the roster kind of was, was held intact. There wasn't a huge transfer exodus. They're, they still have a very strong offensive line. Could be the best in the country again. With I think it was actually three starters. I know I just said four, but it's three plus in all. Uh, you know, Remington candidate coming from Virginia, so we'll call it four. Um, yeah. And then both quarterbacks, uh, Corum's back at running back. It's one of their deepest receiver cores that I can remember in covering Michigan. Uh, the question will be how can they reload their defense? There was a lot of multi-year starters back there, and their ace coordinator's gone. And uh, I know that Gaddis won the Broyles Award. I, I really think it should have gone to McDonald because their offense, if you noticed. Three years ago when Gaddis took over, he called it speed and space. They wanted to basically emulate Ohio State. They wanted to copy Ohio State and try and do it better. That failed. Uh, yeah. So then this year, in kind of his, if you, if you think back a year, there was hot seat talk. Harbaugh's like, you know what, I'm going to revert back to my old Stanford formula. We're going to go smash mouth football. And it worked. So I don't know so much that that was Gaddis. I think it was really Harbaugh. Um, anyways, I'm rambling here. But uh, Michigan, I think they have a little bit of staying power. They really revamped it. Um, you know, their team culture, their locker room, from what I've been hearing from some insiders. So I think it has a little bit of staying power, enough to keep them top 10, but I think Ohio State is passing them. Over on the the west side of the Big Ten, I'm looking at your projections, and I got to tell you, there's something here that jumps out at me, and, and I, I guess you probably can, can figure out what it is. Do you know what is jumping out and, and seems a little strange to me? I, I, I don't know that I'm actually reading the thing that I'm looking at here. Uh, well, there's two possible ones. Um, putting putting Pat Fitzgerald, the magician, down in last place. I know that'll raise some eyebrows because I That's feel like one. I know he's going to. Yeah, I feel like he, I know he's going to steal some W's from me. But um, I have Northwestern last. The other one that might catch some eyes is putting Nebraska. Seven. That's it. And, That's uh, the one. Yeah. yeah. The best three and nine team in college football history last year, probably. But still jumping up to number two in the West behind only Wisconsin, ahead of Minnesota, ahead of Iowa. I, that's. 
that's quite a pick. Yeah, I'll tell you, Matt. I, I do all 66 Power 5 teams, all five conferences. It's a one-man show. And I'll say this, the Big Ten West, specifically this middle pack of the Big Ten West, was the hardest to pick in the whole country this year. I see really four teams that are essentially tied between Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue. Uh, You can make the case for each of them for second. You could even make the case that any of them could win the thing. Um, But, um, yeah, when you break it down, I think that Purdue kind of hit their ceiling last year. They lose their two great receivers. They lose George Karloftis, the, the defensive end. Um, Minnesota and Iowa are very strong. Iowa, I feel like we know what we have with them, with their offense. It's kind of just the, the same thing every year. It's an elite defense, elite special teams, but one of the worst offenses in America. So I think they're more in the 7-5, and 8-4 and four range. With Nebraska, you have a very variable outcome here. It, it could really go 9-3, you know, 10-2 even, or it could be one of these 4-8, and 5-7, and seven, and they're firing frost. I mean, the, the variety of outcomes is very intriguing. Uh, a couple of things that stood out is the transfer class. They, uh, they fixed their – well, I shouldn't say fixed. They changed their quarterback. I think you're going to have a lot less turnovers with uh, Casey Thompson than you have with Adrian Martinez, uh, who led the country in fumbles for an entire season. It, you know, you, they, we talk about all these one-score games with Nebraska. Yeah. How many would they have won if they didn't have a nation-leading fumble at quarterback? That's true. So, I mean, so um, many. I felt bad for Nebraska. I have no love loss for Nebraska. I have no connection to them. But I legitimately felt bad watching them last year because they were a legitimately decent team that looked like garbage, you know, when you just look at their record. Yeah, really. I mean, I felt bad writing the, the intro for them this year for their fans. I mean, I was talking about the, the history and how unlucky they've been since really since Bill Callahan in 04. It's been such a bad stretch for them. Um, but here's a stat. I know everyone's heard the one score loss stat, but here's one to just show how excruciating it was. They had 14 drives to end the game where that could have either tied the game or, or won the game. Oh God. They scored, they scored zero times out of 14 on those drives. Oh my I mean, God. If you, if you score on three of them, that you're a bull team. You know, if you, if you score on six of them, you might be talking eight wins. So over 14, I, I just don't know this. I mean, that, that's so statistically improbable. Uh, I think part of it might've been Martinez. Overall, we'll see. So a very variable team to me in outcomes this year. They're intriguing. They brought in a top 10 transfer class. A lot of defensive linemen from the Big 12. O'Shawn Mathis is an all-conference guy brought in from TCU. So in a razor-thin margin, I also looked to schedule where finally they miss Ohio State. I mean, you guys know you've been locked in an annual cross-division with them. Instead, they get Rutgers. So, I mean, right away, that's a little game advantage (laughs) there. So. You got to look at everything in such a tight race, but I went with Nebraska and uh, you can make the case for all four of those. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
I'll wrap it up here with a couple last questions. You mentioned the fact that C.J. Stroud is a returning Heisman finalist. He is, uh, I believe, currently the betting favorite to be the Heisman Trophy winner this year. You also mentioned the fact that Jackson Smith and Jigba is potentially a dark horse Heisman finalist as well. You are a Heisman Trophy voter, so I'm not asking you to pick uh, who you think is going to win. I don't want to put you in any ethical dilemmas there with who you could eventually vote for later on. But if you had to pick a group of guys, whether it's five who might end up in New York or whatever, who are the players that fans of Ohio State fans should look out, uh, should look at across the scope of college football that could be the ones competing for that award at the end of the season so that as fans, they can start to pay attention to them when week zero or week one starts here, you know, later this month. Yeah, the Heisman is an interesting topic because um, I vote a little bit differently than I think the majority. I think the majority of voters they simply narrow it down to, okay, who are the playoff teams? Who are the contenders? And then who's their quarterback? Um, I know we had a couple, you know, uh, r- rare years like Lamar Jackson and, um, you know. Uh, Maybe we Chase Young vote. making a finalist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 stuff like that. But it, mostly that's how they vote. So if, if that's the logic that people are going to use, then you look at my playoff teams there. It's it's Bama, Ohio State. And I don't think Bryce Young will win it again. I think with so many great uh, deserving candidates out there, I think the, the Heisman Trophy – Voters are going to shy away from doing a two-time award winner. Uh, it's been since Archie Griffin. Yeah. He's the only one. So We're, we're um, well for, aware, Brett. We're well, very yeah. well aware. Yeah. Of course. So when you throw out Bryce Young, I don't think Stetson Bennett would do it. So that's why C.J. Stroud, I think, is the, is the betting favorite, uh, just on the playoff uh, caliber of Ohio State as a team. But I'll do it a little, little differently. If you're looking at individual player, I mean, guys that are going to put up a ton of stats or, or might not be on a playoff team but could really uh, you know, put together great highlight tapes and some meaningful wins – um, I think Hendon Hooker from Tennessee is going to be a stat giant the way that they go. This their up-tempo offense. Hmm. They're the fastest pace in the country. Um, so that's a guy who's going to put a lot of stats. Um, speaking of stats, uh, Malik Cunningham from Louisville, he had 20 rushing touchdowns as a quarterback. That's more than Kenneth Walker, the, the Doke winner. That's crazy. Um, so, I mean, that, those are pure like stat plays. I mean, you could say Will Rogers from Mississippi State and Mike Leach's air raid. He'll put up 5,000 yards. I don't think that'll be – uh, on the Heisman radar, just given the system. Um, here's one, a transfer that came through from Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs. He was electric last year for Georgia Tech. He had seven straight games with a 50-plus yard play. So if you're a, if you're a highlight reel kind of voter, this guy's going to pop off the page. He's at Alabama now, so he's got a perfect offensive line around him. They're not going to give it to Young. So if, if Alabama goes you know, 14-0 and and they're in the spotlight all year, it could be the running back Gibbs. So uh, those are some names. It, it, again, this thing's wide open. Smith and Jigba could be a receiver pick uh, here as we sit here in August. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating because uh, we have a returning winner that I don't think can really win it for that reason. Yeah. Anybody, any any defensive guys pop out as potential? Is Anderson, you know, really the the main one there? Yeah, I think he's got to be the name at this point. I think it's so hard for a defender to even make New York, let alone win the award. It's almost like you have to have a two-year resume, uh, not, mm-hmm. not to me per se, but I think to the average Heisman voter. So the, the amount of attention that he got last year is almost the perfect like, um, you know, uh, like resume builder for this upcoming season. I know you're supposed to only look at 2022, but it's just human nature. Like We know what, how special this guy is coming yeah. in. So he's a headliner right away. Uh, Clemson's defensive line has a ton of standouts. I, I don't know. They might just share stats, so they might cancel each other out. Uh, Jalen Carter at Georgia. You know, Georgia had a record-setting number of first-round defenders. They were saying this guy was better than all of them. So look for a, a future top-five pick here, Jalen Carter. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, there might be some statistics. 
physical outliers like some of the, the safeties and D-backs with a lot of picks or, or key interceptions. But I, I would look at those two, uh, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, if any. All right, well, I will wrap it up here with one last question. Ohio State kicks off its season by hosting number five in your game and what you, I think, obviously selected as the biggest non-conference game of the season. From your perspective, what is one thing that if Ohio State fans are watching this game, that obviously it's one game, it's the first game of the season. We have seen Ohio State teams look pretty bad at the beginning of the season and then go on and win national championships. So it's not like uh, you know whatever happens against Notre Dame is going to be the only thing that matters throughout the course of the season. But if they're watching the game and there's one thing that's happening that you think will help give them a look at whether the season will go well or maybe not as well. Is there something that you can pinpoint on either side of the ball uh, to say, watch for this. If they're doing this, this is going to be good. If they're not doing this, it could be for a, uh, an uncomfortable season. Yeah. I think all eyes are going to be right on that defense right away. I mean, that's how we left the season. I know it feels like forever ago, but it ended on a poor note for them against Michigan and really Utah. Utah was scoring it well in that first half too. So I think all eyes are on that new defense under under Coach Knowles there, uh, specifically front seven against Notre Dame's O-line. We touched on it earlier in the show. It's one of the best O-lines in the country, so they're going to be tested. Um, if, if they're able to hold their own and even win that individual battle, then, yeah, this is going to be a, a dominant, complete team. Um, another thing to look at in the other direction would be on the outsides, because I've been tracking injuries, and Notre Dame now is down two of their top, their top receivers uh, at an already thin unit. Mm-hmm. I know they have a great tight end, but I'm talking about the outside. So let's put it this way. If Notre Dame, uh, these backup receivers are getting separation and winning one-on-ones against the starting silver bullets secondary, that's bad news. I mean, you got to dominate that, that position group given the inexperience, the youth, and now the injuries and a new quarterback too. So um, yeah, so just hold your own in the trenches, but then you got to win those outside matchups. If not, then that's, that's kind of a, a glaring uh, signal for later in the year. Yeah, and I will tell you, which I don't know how closely you've been following training camps. Ohio State only has six scholarship corners on the roster, and they've been a, a little beat up. Nothing, nothing significant as of yet that we know of. Um, but. It, they're they're a little thin even when healthy at corner although as you obviously know Jim Knowles's defense relies much more heavily on safeties than it does uh just traditional quarterback cornerback play so we'll see what happens but you're absolutely right if Ohio State can run out a, a solid set of corners to shut down wide receivers that will go a huge way to uh cleaning up some of the issues they had last year but um brett thank you for going through this where can people one get the magazine and two follow you on social media as one of the the best college football informational follows on the web oh thanks yeah thanks for the praise thanks for inviting me on making it four straight seasons and um like i said at the top hopefully uh, i'm i'm proven right by the buckeyes again and you guys are Let's in the hope. playoff but um, yeah, but uh, it's been great interacting with so many Buckeye fans. One of the most passionate out there, you know, there's very few fan bases out there that can really match my, my high intensity, my passion for the game. And it's, you know, they're on the short list. So it's not that, always a good thing great. though. That's not always a good thing though. We can we, collectively, we can be a little much at times. I, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, I'll well, say it. You yeah. don't have to say it. You're trying to sell books. I will say it. There is a portion of our fan base that even annoys the hell out of me. Yeah, well, I'll put it this way. I, I live in I live in an area that doesn't care about college football, so I'll take the good and the bad okay. as long as it's Fair passionate. Enough. So Fair love enough. the Buckeye fans. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so you can find it at pick6previews.com. Um, again, it's been the first 10 years was digital only, PDF only, but this year, finally, 
going to a hard copy edition. And those are available um, with purchase of the hard copy. You get the digital emailed right away so that you have those that, that for a few days while the book is in shipment. But pick6previews.com, a couple of testimonials on there too. The college game day guys, the ACC network guys, and some sample pages. So you can see what, what me and Matt were talking about with the level of detail. And then lastly, Twitter at pick six previews. And that's, you know, all day, every day, all season. So thanks again for having me and, uh, and good luck Buckeyes this year. Yeah. Thank you as always. And maybe we'll check in in mid season to uh, see how the predictions are going and seeing what you're, uh, what you're witnessing from the Buckeyes, but we always appreciate it, Brett. Good luck with your next five dozen interviews uh, for podcasts <laughs> and radios that I'm sure you're going to be doing over the next few weeks. We always appreciate your time. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thank you for listening to this episode of Langer and Holy Land in Conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to the phenomenal Brett Ciancia. I will have links to not only where you can get the magazine, but also his Twitter account. Make sure that you follow him. He is an invaluable resource throughout the college football season. That information will be in the show notes and in the article version of this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com. If you are finding this episode on the aforementioned website, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are cranking out nearly two episodes every single day throughout the college football season. You will not want to miss that. A lot of them have already started. Some of them will kick off with the actual beginning of the season, but we will be bringing you different voices and perspectives that you won't hear anywhere else throughout the Buckeye podcasting universe. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks.